We can live for weeks without food, days without water, but we cannot live without hope and faith in other human beings. The good idea to bring progress and health and well-being to people, that's just one part of the equation. The other part is getting people to believe it's possible. And not only possible, but worthwhile. Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. This is a solo episode, a book review of sorts. And I have really struggled to get into my reading this year. I started off with a very slow fiction novel. Usually I like to break up my nonfiction reading with some fiction books. And I decided to trust TikTok on this book that was apparently really, really famous. It was called Girl in Pieces by Kathleen Glasgow, but I just could not for the life of me enjoy it. I really struggled to get through it. And then I moved on to a book called Homo Deus, which was the sequel to the book Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, which is one of my favorite books of all time, hands down, guaranteed, would recommend that book to anyone. It is so interesting, insightful, and will provide you with a million new perspectives that you can take into every day. But the sequel to it, I I don't know, I just struggle with learning about AI. I'd always considered myself a real future forward person, like more interested in the future than the past. But actually, Sapiens proved me wrong in the way that I loved learning about the history of the development of the world so much, whereas the potential for the future is, I don't know, it hasn't been that exciting for me, but I could just be in a slow part of the book. So I've stopped that, went to this book, The Happiest Man on Earth, and I will go back to Homodoos after a while. I'm actually currently reading a new book called The Body Keeps a Score, um, but I'll go back to that after that one, I think. Um, this book, The Happiest Man on Earth, was an extremely accessible read, only 150 pages, very easy to resonate with, made such a traumatic, intense, unbelievable, extraordinary experience, something that could be related to by the average person, um, which I think takes a skilled writer to do. Uh, Edie Jacou was the author of this book or the person that experienced all of these things we're about to talk about. I do wonder if he may have had someone helping him write the book and whoever he did help and whoever did help him write the book is very skilled as well. Uh, I love when people can take intense, typically unrelatable topics and put them into something that anyone can take something from and this was a great example of how to do that so I'd recommend it to anyone who's needing a an easy read in terms of it only being a short book but still an insightful read in terms of it producing so many new perspectives and experiences that uh, most of us will hopefully never have to go through this book that I'm going to talk about today speaks to a survivor's story of the Holocaust, of the Holocaust, where Jewish people were completely dehumanized, in the same way, ironically, that Israelis have been doing to to Palestinians, and that is 
a part of the discussion I want to have is how the world can develop in such ways where things like this can happen and reflections on past events seem almost to be irrelevant in those in the understanding of of these things in these situations I'm not going to try and pretend that I know nearly enough about either World War II or uh, the current genocide in Palestine to be able to comment accurately uh, intelligently thoughtfully empathetically on any of this I really this is not a an opportunity for me to provide my opinion as fact or as being right this is simply just opening a discussion and I'd absolutely be keen to hear your thoughts but in saying that I also am doing this review in this episode to talk about all of the helpful things that came out of this book and Eddie's perspective and I think that so much can be taken from his perspective and learned from his perspective but also it almost raised so many more questions for me in terms of things that we're currently told as humans and and how we naturally act as humans what we naturally do that in this story go against all of that and that to me is really interesting because there truly is no black and white right and wrong as to how humans act in this situation or that situation you really never know until you're put under that pressure and all we can do is continue to be curious and to see the value in the wide and broad perspectives of other people. So Eddie Jacou was born in Leipzig, Germany in 1920. He had always considered himself German first, German second, and then Jewish. His Jewish religion never really influenced his life or had an impact on, on who he was. He was an extremely proud German man. But when the war began, he very quickly saw a home in a completely different way and in fact after the war he ended up moving uh, with his family to Australia where he lived ever since that point and he ended up dying I think in 2021 at the age of maybe 101, 100, 101. Uh, So he lived a very long life and happily in Sydney, Australia. Eddie was imprisoned in both the Buchenwald and, uh, and sorry if I've pronounced that right, wrong, (laughs) and Auschwitz concentration camps in 1945. He was then sent on what has been famously called the Death March, but escaped that as well, which was also an unbelievable story. There are so many times in this book where he could have and should have been killed uh, in terms of the situation he found himself in, but he, he survived all of them. And so many of those situations where he could have or should have been dead uh, he escaped as a result of his own ability to I guess like think creatively to get out of those situations but also some of them were just down to luck Uh, some of them were down to his attitude and how he saw uh, that situation as well and then in 1950 after the war ended and he was eventually rescued by American soldiers uh, when he was walking after the death march, he was just walking alone uh, down a road to his next location. Um, the American soldiers found him in, in 1950. That is when he moved with his family to Australia, uh, never to return to Germany again. I love how he approached the book from the perspective of a friend. All throughout the book, he would say things like, from your friend Eddie, or do it for your friend Eddie, uh, which I just loved because it felt like you were on this journey with him. Um and it was a very empathetic journey in the sense that, yes, I've like from his perspective, he's been through such hard things and 
so much went wrong but I know that you can also live a life that is hard as well and I want you to do these things for your friend Eddie and it really felt like a comforting relationship you built with him through reading the book. And I'd ask you to read this book as well as listen to this episode with a wandering or wondering mind and a larger imagination as well as an optimism for people. I have a really strong belief in people generally and people to do good and bad. I think no, depending on the situation that you're found in as a result of whatever circumstances define your life you can go down one path or you can go down another and any of us are susceptible to those paths and so defining someone as good bad evil wrong right uh, is only a reflection of what they've had access to in their life and maybe not the core of the human they actually are this book brought up a few themes for me and I'm going to go into each of those The first one is around ethics and morals. The second one is around world events, wars and people in general. And the third theme is that is about belief and belief in our world, belief in each other. When it comes to ethics and morals, I want to read a quote from the book that says, Your efforts today will affect people you will never know. It is your choice whether that effect is positive or negative. You can choose every day, every minute, to act in a way that may uplift a stranger or else drag them down. The choice is easy and it is yours to make. So I have a few thoughts on this quote. The first part of it, your efforts today will affect people you will never know. I absolutely love this and I think I have seen this so much in one up where the things I say or the things I do have impacted people I will never meet that will never tell me it has done that and and that can be either good or bad but the same thing occurs in life the way I act the way I treat the person making my coffee could impact how they act for the rest of their day. If I treat them like shit, they're going to have low patience, low confidence, low self-esteem for the rest of the day, which is going to impact how they deal with other customers, which is going to impact their day. And I truly believe that how you act, um, even if it feels like an isolated behavior, can absolutely have a huge effect on the people around you the world around you every small behavior action can mean so much and it is our choice whether that effect is positive or negative to Eddie's point I'm also completely aware of the fact that the the concept of choice can also be a hard one to navigate because yes it is our choice whether to have a good mindset or a bad mindset but that choice can very much be impacted by what we have access to the circumstances we find ourselves in if we have grown up in an unsafe home with huge financial instability yes it is our choice to remain positive through that and to still be a good person a happy a kind person for other people but it is very hard to do that and if maybe we'd had access to more resources and support ourselves where other people could believe in us be kind to us then maybe it would be much easier for us to do that for others so although yes it's it's very individual in the sense that we can choose whether to be happy or sad I think it is also our responsibility to give other people access to that choice as well where we can choose to be an asshole to people Uh, But we also need to understand that within that it closes their opportunity to choose whether they are going to be kind to someone else. So when I look at issues like this, I'm really thinking like it's not about how do we make the individual 
how can we influence individuals to make a better choice and to change their mindset? It's about how can we influence society to give those people more opportunity to make a better choice, to be kinder. Another part of this book that spoke to what humans can or can't do was Eddie had the chance to take a a British soldier's uniform to get on a boat to safety, uh, but he didn't because he said he could not and would not take the last thing this young man had, which was his dignity. He took the alternative option and proceeded to spend two and a half months walking to the south of France to try and find peace um, and a new home. And I thought this was interesting because people will say, you know, you'll do anything when you're desperate to to survive, you'll do anything. You'd think taking someone's dignity by taking the uniform would be one of the easier choices to make. I mean, a large part of me thinks I would have done it. I would have taken this man's dignity for my own survival. But maybe I wouldn't have. And I don't think there's really a lesson in, in this part of the book, but more just that that was kind of jarring for me to read because I thought, wow, it wouldn't have mattered. No one would have known you stole this this man's dignity for your own survival and no one would have blamed you if you'd done that as well you could have survived years earlier or you could have been rescued years earlier had you done this but instead you chose to not do that and to take a riskier path my question with this example is is this human nature is this an example of who humans are at the core or was this just this human was this just Eddie and who he was can we still keep our morals when we're desperate and when we are stressed because it's just a choice right but it's so much harder to make that choice when you're under pressure and you don't have the access to the resource and support that would make that choice easier for you Eddie said another quote in this book that was I never lost sight of what it was to be civilized I knew that there would be no point surviving if I had to become an evil man to do it and I really question how many people would have the same perspective under the same circumstances there's no point in surviving if I had to become an evil man to do it his access to support was minimal if not at zero he didn't have the freedom to make the right in air quotes choice about being an ethical human but he made that choice anyway so why under so much stress and desperation did he still believe in the ethics and morals that ran his life before this time before the war I don't know where that thought will lead me but that's a thought I'm going to keep and sit with because I think it just speaks to the psychology of people and what you'll do in certain circumstances to make sure you can live a good life or be happy with the person you are. And then the next thing that I found came out of this book was around world events and wars, how wars are started, how people are convinced to act in a certain way, how, you know, Eddie's German neighbor could be his best friend one day and then the next day is holding a rifle to his to his head how do these things happen uh, and how do people again act and either within their ethical boundaries or not in these situations part of the story was about Eddie's family taking in two orphaned kids who didn't get arrested when the police raided the apartment so Eddie's family were living in an attic 
and they'd taken in these two orphaned kids and when the police or the army or whoever it was raided the apartment and into the attic as well the father Eddie's father hid these two orphaned kids behind a wall so that they wouldn't get arrested and they wouldn't get found and that's incredible because it's so selfless but it just it's interesting maybe this speaks to who I am I just thought why why what drives you to make that decision in the moment you're you're stressed you have your whole family with you so that's four people plus two other kids who aren't yours that you've just met recently maybe it was to keep their family together and they know it was knew it was easier to keep these two kids behind um and where they're more likely to survive to sacrifice yourself for someone else's well-being is just one of the most honourable pursuits, especially when you know they cannot give anything back to you. And this is not just in war times sacrificing your literal life, but this is sacrificing your comfort, your happiness, your convenience, uh, a few of your dollars, a few of your whatever it is, to sacrifice something of yours for the well-being of another person, especially when you know they cannot ever or possibly not ever return the favor back to you that is such an honorable pursuit and it gives me so much belief in people to hear stories like this that even under the most desperate times of survival humans take care of humans those two kids actually ended up surviving the war and they moved to Israel uh, as many others did throughout this time and it makes what's happening Uh, in in Palestine and in Israel an even more interesting conversation because so many of people's ancestors were marginalized victims of war tortured human beings and I don't really know who exactly if all of the population of Israel was made up of World War II uh, victims or or how that actually happened I haven't done the most in-depth research my first thought is how the family of those people must hate to see what is happening in Palestine now because to have your history be built around being completely dehumanized, isolated and have your people almost be completely wiped uh, from the earth, how you could support or see sense in what is happening. And I'm not saying this is the responsibility of the Israeli people because Obviously, there are powers at play, pressures, what forces determine that happening and allow that to happen. People get taken on this journey of belief that something is right or wrong with such conviction when things have happened to already prove that this is wrong or this causes that destruction or whatever. The world needs good leadership. It needs belief in each other to do good, to be good, which is why I love stories from Eddie so much because he really represents that and keeping a moral and ethical compass while navigating what I can only imagine is is the most traumatic event he would have ever gone through in his life and so many others have gone through as well he said this quote which I think sums up a lot of what I've been saying I still can't understand how people with whom I went to work with whom I studied and played sport could become animals like that How was it that Hitler could make enemies of friends turn civilized men into inhuman zombies? How is it possible to create such hate? And that's exactly my question through reading this, referring to World War II, what's happening in Palestine, all the other significant 
horrifying events happening around the world that maybe don't make it to the media. How is it possible to create such hate from people who just want to live a good life like any other normal person? The last theme is belief in a better world and in better people. And a few more stories came out of the book, which highlighted to me a few things, especially around surviving. And there was a part where they had to ration water uh, in these cups. Jewish people were being shipped off to different locations and there was limited water supply. And they all had to band together to ration the water with cups. They were in train carriages, I believe. And so within Eddie's carriage, people had come up with the idea of rationing, whereas in other carriages... It was either a free-for-all or people were just, there was no system to how they were doing it. And people needed to believe that it was possible. Not only did someone have to come up with this idea and convince people and, and work together, but actually people needed to believe that it was possible to survive if we did ration and we did work together. And each person had to make that decision. Each person had to contribute in order for the group to survive. And so only two people died on their carriage, whereas in all the other carriages, a large majority or a much larger group of people died. The good idea in life, in business, in your career, in your friendships, the good idea to bring progress and health and well-being to people, that's just one part of the equation, is having the idea. The other part is getting people to believe it's possible. In this instance, getting people to believe that survival is possible, and not only possible, but worthwhile as well. Eddie said another quote, which was, we can live for weeks without food, days without water, but we cannot live without hope and faith in other human beings. We are all part of a larger society and our work, our individual choices and decisions is our contribution to a free and a safe life for all people. So we all have a responsibility to continue to have hope and faith in other people and it does sound cliche and I really hope you don't turn off at this concept with it being too cheesy having belief in people in the world in your friends in your family uh, in hope that can change the world for the better Uh, it can bring out the best in everyone and it can ensure true well-being and survival that isn't just about existing but survival that is about really living and finding joy in that life as well you never know who you truly are or what you'll do until you're put in that position I firmly stand by that in so many ways where you can speculate what you might do if you were in that position or you had access to this or you didn't have access to that but the thing is you'll just never know and The lesson from that is to continue to have empathy for all people and all layers of experience, regardless of whether or not you can imagine that or you've experienced that yourself. Another lesson is that all humans have good and evil, or good and bad. I feel evil is just so aggressive. Good and bad, uh, in the sense that we can all do good things, we can all do bad things, whatever your perception is of either of those. And a more productive use of time is not being judgmental but being curious about what leads one person to one side or the other or why one side is perceived as good and the other side is perceived as bad and how that influences the decisions we make and then ultimately how the world operates it's such a weird thought like I got to the end of this book and so the war was over okay great everyone can go back to their their day jobs now what a weird and for lack of a better term fucked up 
situation that would be where your neighbour, your friend, your opponent on a sports team, as Eddie was saying, has killed your friends, your family, uh, your other neighbours, the other people you'd play on sports teams with. Now, another day goes past and you all just go back to working again, living your life as per normal. How could, like, that is just inconceivable to me. But that's also just life in so many weird ways. The most horrendous shit happens all the time and people just move on. Like wars can happen and people just get on with it. The world can be horrible and evil and people can be evil to each other. Things just keep moving. Like where is the reflection in that? Like many many of the companies that profited and took advantage of the war and the victims of the war are still around today thriving succeeding existing and I don't even think it's that they shouldn't be it's just it's just so odd because my natural next thought is like okay we pay so much attention to the individual that made a mistake that will hold them accountable I'm talking about cancel culture online here where say someone does something wrong they say something wrong horrible they're rude to someone they they make racist comments sexist comments we hold them accountable to the point of ruining their mental health, their career, through cancel culture. But long term, we don't, we don't do this with companies. And maybe social media has changed how we do this because not that we can accurately compare any circumstance or situation to another right now, but people are collectively boycotting companies like McDonald's, Disney, Starbucks in some way who are associated to the genocide happening in Palestine. But once this is over which I hope it happens as soon as possible, and I assume, and maybe this is a privileged, um, ignorant way to think, I assume it will stop at some point. What happens then? We go back to McDonald's? We continue to drink our Starbucks drinks? Like, it is just, I'm, I guess I'm trying to think of solutions and how you actually change systems and structures and and hold people accountable in a way that is healthy, productive, and actually contributes to a solution. You know, cancel culture and holding big corporates accountable is so fascinating because I often wonder what it truly does. And please feel free to message me with your thoughts on this. I know I'm stating an opinion right now that could be incredibly controversial. Yes, the boycott will reduce their profits, meaning they may pull out of doing those things and contributing to those things. But ultimately, the decision-making capability surrounding doing that in the first place, causing them to contribute to it in the first place, is still there. When you live within a capitalist system that values progress and profit and growth over anything, over people, over peace, over justice... That's, their decision-making capability is going to be in line with that. So it's it's never going to stop, really. And then this is where society goes, okay, instead of cancelling them for doing that action, let's just cancel the entire company. But doing that doesn't solve anything either because another company will just pop up and fill its place, especially when you live in a system that only works to value those that make decisions like this so then we think okay well it's a system we live within causing companies to make those decisions and then it just seems overwhelming and we give up because it's like oh well we can't change the entire system it's all too hard I'm demotivated I'm frustrated um this is just my thought pattern (laughs) and it might be completely 
out there. Um, but whatever, as I said, this is an episode for exploration. And that's a completely unhelpful way to think as well. So how do we actually allow people to live and thrive within this world without contributing or continuing to, continuing to contribute to the pain that this world creates for so many? I don't have an answer, but that's the challenge I'm interested in. How do we progress the world without continuing to impact it in a negative way? The more books I read, especially memoirs, experiences of people, re- recounts of past events, uh something that continues to come up within all of them are the pressures that sit on people in order to thrive in this world, especially in a Western context. And I really urge you when expanding your mind and your perspectives to truly listen to what these people are saying from their lens and not from yours, from their lived experience and not yours. Eddie is saying that it is possible to change your mind and to choose to act in a way that is positive and has a positive contribution on pe- uh, to people and provides a positive contribution to this world. Listen to him from his experience, like truly take in what he's gone through and acknowledge how you might be able to pull some of that into your own life. Try and truly empathize with him. And to truly empathize, you need to try your hardest to understand it from their perspective. That is it's hard it's honestly hard to do but that is what I try to do from with all of these memoirs and books I read is take what they're saying from their lived experience not my application of how I think I would act through their experience I'm worried that this episode was a complete mess but I just I want to share these thoughts because this podcast serves as a playground for my mind and it is not to state anything as fact Unless we're talking about financial literacy in that case. Well, I mean, that's not even fact then, but it's a bit more practical step-by-step. Here's how you do this. This is an, a place for me to imagine and dream and explore. And I want it to be a safe place for you to do that as well. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Otherwise, we'll talk soon. I appreciate you so much for being here, especially if you got to the end of that. Because shit, there was a lot going on in that. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.